Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Nice to have you with us this evening. A slightly different Friday evening because we are, as usual, going to preview everything that goes on uh, over the weekend. But we do have a very special guest on the, on the show tonight. We're moving out of the boardroom, out of the locker room and into the square circle because we are joined by Shana Power who is an MMA fighter. Shana, good evening and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So how did it all come about that a lovely lady like yourself wanted to climb into the squaring and get beaten up and beat other people up? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I don't like to be beaten up, but uh, I do beat other people up, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it started uh, about 10 years ago. I had um, studied and specialized in sports conditioning. So I've always been quite athletic and I love sport my whole life. Um, so I was studying and um, as you do when you are busy finishing some sort of certification or diploma, you have to do hours. And it just happened that I landed up at a gym in Sunning Hill called Fight Cliff Militia, which now goes by Quan Vessels University, um, which was very new to me because mixed martial arts was nothing I'd ever dreamt about doing. Um, and I was exposed to this whole different sport and world. Um, I did my hours there and um, I just never left. And I spent about eight to nine years um, training and studying under the owners of Quan Vessels, which is Richie Quan and Norman Vessels. Um, and yeah, they had a mixed martial arts gym that they had brought in. And I just fell in love with the sport um, and the culture and um, was just inspired by so many athletes. So I tried my hand at it. And um, yeah, I had my boxing debut in 2013. And then one thing just led to another. And I started MMA and progressed. And yeah, now I find myself um, competing when I can and as often as I can while balancing other things. But yeah, that's the sport and that's how I got into it. Amazing stuff. Look, it's relatively young, isn't it? This form of fighting in terms of boxing, which goes back centuries. But this form of fighting is pretty young, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, boxing has been around forever. Um, but MMA is definitely um, skyrocketed. And um, especially one of the um, arts that we do add into mixed martial arts is the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And um, that's just opening up, you know, on every corner, especially here in Johannesburg. I mean, you can't go within a five to 10 kilometer radius without spotting a new and upcoming um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym. So, yeah, it is. And UFC, which is international, which is the, the big um, promotion that everyone dreams of entering one day. Um, that is just done wonders for the sport. And we've just had so many incredible athletes. And South Africa has been put on the map. I mean, we've got... Um, homebred athletes that have come through now. And uh, we've got people like Drikus, uh, Duplessis, we've got Timber, uh, we've had JP Bass, we've had Gareth McClellan. You know, those are big names that have come and trained from South Africa and have entered into the international waters. And that's just so inspirational. And the sport is just, you know, um, catapulting literally month by month, year by year. So, yeah. Your friends from school uh, see you now uh, and look back at you at school. Would they turn around and say, Shana was a tomboy at school? Or would they go, wow, I can't believe she's getting into ring fighting? Yeah, I don't think anyone ever saw me uh, fighting. Like I said, I didn't even picture myself. But absolutely, I mean, I was the only female in a soccer's boy team for, for many years. I uh, started playing soccer. And at that stage, there were no girls soccer teams. Um, I started playing at Montrose from grade one and by Hyde Park when I went into my high school years I started up the first girls soccer team in Hyde Park um, by grade 10 I was captain I was the first girl to receive colors for soccer 
so yeah, I mean, definitely um, not doing mainstream kinds of sports and, um, you know, paving away. And yeah, there's things that I'm proud of that now schools are incorporating girls' soccer teams and, and those things exist. So it is out of the norm, but uh, yeah, I don't know how many people kind of expected this, um, maybe more so than me. But yeah, I mean, being in a cage and fighting is quite rare. Um, and yeah. I, do, I do love being a part of that. So how did you transition from the, the, the school and mainly soccer, as you've mentioned, into MMA? So, yeah, soccer, I did actually have a dream of becoming a professional soccer player. I played club soccer. Um, I had one or two meetings. I met Fran Hilton Smith uh, when I played for club soccer. And, um, you know, I wanted to play for Banyana Banyana or, you know, eventually maybe go overseas. But, um, you know, life has a funny way of working out and I didn't end up making it um, or pursuing it much after high school. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it was more just that I had studied and I was always interested in sport and actually the psychology behind sport, you know, the mental side of sport is actually very underrated and overlooked and they don't understand that that's actually one of the biggest parts of competing at a high level. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to study sports psychology, didn't get into that either. Then I, like I mentioned earlier, I started, um, and went and studied conditioning, sports conditioning to train elite, uh, athletes. And then, yeah, I landed up at um, Quan Vessels Academy and that's where I had, um, you know, was exposed to MMA. And just as my competitive nature, just I was interested and just wanted to try it out. And like I said, one thing just led to another and I just landed up competing. I prefer, you know, people look at MMA and they think obviously it's brutal and obviously there is a a level of, you know, a lot of blood and it's quite hectic for a lot of people to watch. But for me, it's not, I don't have the intention to actually hurt someone. I, it's the competitive edge that I love. I love the mental challenge. I love the process leading up to it, you know, put, putting my body through the paces, proving to myself every day that I can do something more. So, you know, that's why I love competing. Um, obviously, it comes with the sport that we get hit in the face and blood's part of it. But I never go in there wanting to damage my opponent more than, you know, um, I always pray that we get out there safely. And like I said, it's more just the the high of being able to compete on such an elite level. Most people might not even know that I was very privileged to, the very first sports commentary I ever did was Roberto Duran versus Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, how how does your career progress from there, you know? Um, That was the first boxing commentary I ever did, and I followed Brian Mitchell around. Yeah, but the good thing about any physical sport, like martial arts, like what you do, and boxing, you beat the you-know-what out of each other for however many rounds, and at the end, it's a hug and a kiss and a squeeze. It's the most remarkable thing. You go through that week or two or three or four of absolutely shaming your opponent, calling them names, doing all sorts of things, and then when the fight is over, irrespective of the result, there's this amazing sportsmanship that goes on. Uh, in Absolutely. The, it, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think it's at the end of the sport or after the end of the rounds, it's it's the respect showing that we know what one another has been through to get to that point, you know, and bringing the best out of each other when you compete at that level. So it is, I mean, at the end of it, you know, you've sacrificed so much to get into the ring or to box or to compete. You've missed birthdays, you've missed um, important, um, you know, celebrations in your life just to get to that point. So regardless of the result, it is, it's just that you are acknowledging that other human being that um, shares the same love for you as the sport and has done everything to get to that point. So, yeah, I mean, it is an incredible thing to witness and 
it is um, such an honor to share a ring with such incredible athletes at the end of the day. So tell us about the different styles. I mean, I watch uh, on a Saturday evening the, the UFC and I, and I watch the MMA and some guys are better at kicking, some guys are better at on the ground, some are boxing. Each person brings their specific style to the ring. What is your style? So when I started, I mean, uh, my hand-eye coordination, I, you know, that was something that they picked up uh, when I was in kindergarten, that I had a very good um, hand-eye coordination. And I think that's what helped me in boxing uh, when I started. Um, but yes, mixed martial arts is its literally the mix of all martial arts, and it's just thrown into one. And I think what's developed of that is mixed martial arts actually stands on its own now. Um, it's actually a sport on its own. So what are the originally or what we do train? I mean, we've got to train multiple disciplines, which most people will spend their life learning one. We learning like three or four. So what it, you know um, is combined of is we've got Muay Thai. So that's the kicking the knees, the elbows um, that we've got to be really good at. So it's not just boxing. I mean, you can be a boxer, but you've got to at least um, progress to be able to throw some kicks and elbows. Then you've got wrestling. Or judo, so that's the transition from our standing to being able to be put on the mat, which wrestling is, you know, is the predominant one that most of us use. And then the third one is jiu-jitsu, so that's when you see us on the ground, um, which then, you know, comprises of the uh, submissions or the chokes, um, also ground and pound, so getting on top of someone, hitting someone, um, and just controlling the individual. And I think, you know, it must have come up one day where obviously people in their respective sports thought that their one was better. I'm sure a boxer. And a jiu-jitsu person met one day and they wanted to see who was more efficient. And I think that's kind of where MMA was born. Um, and even if you look back at UFC many, many years ago, you see some of the guys competing in their geese or their judo clothes and, you know, other guys in wrestling and wrestling shoes um, just to kind of have it all out. But out of all of this, like I said, MMA can actually be looked as a concept or discipline on its own now. Um, because it comprises of so many elements. You seem to train a lot more than you actually fight, or am I mm. perceiving that wrong? Yeah, so, I mean, what, if you've got a standard round or bout, you'll do three five-minute rounds, and if you championships, then it's five five-minute rounds, which is a long time. But yes, like I said, we've got to learn so many different disciplines, you know. I'm not taking anything away from the boxing individual or the karate individual, but that's their discipline. It's the same thing that they do day in and day out. And maybe they'll add um, some strength and conditioning to the mix, you know, just to make sure that they fit. Like I said, depending could be karate. I mean, like I said, someone will choose one of these disciplines and spend the rest of their life trying to perfect it. We're trying to perfect multiple disciplines. So yeah. you've got to know our jujitsu. So that'll be an hour, an hour and a half a day. Then we've got to up our stand-up game. So then we've got to do Muay Thai, which is an hour, an hour a day. Then you've got to know how to take someone down. So whether that's wrestling or uh, judo, you know, you've got to go and you've got to practice that. Then you've got to make sure that we fit strong and, um, you know, well-conditioned. So then you've got to add our strength and conditioning in. So it's not um, foreign to us that we might be training, you know, four to five hours a day trying to get to all the disciplines to make sure that we are well-prepared for the fight. You know, the fight can have anything. Like I said, you might be a boxer, but if you're fighting a wrestler and you don't have a wrestling game, you're going to have a really difficult time in the cage. So we've got to make sure we're prepared for anything that is, you know, excuse the pun, literally thrown at us. So it takes us, yeah. you know, a long time to learn martial arts and also obviously developed. It's more dynamic. You know, a jiu-jitsu practitioner getting into a cage that's just done jiu-jitsu, now they've never ever experienced punches being thrown at them. 
So now it, you know, it develops their game. They've got to diversify. They've got to be um, prepared to handle all of those things. And, you know, usually just doing jujitsu is a lot easier, but now you've got someone trying to hit you. So you wouldn't yeah. grapple the same way you would grapple, you know, in just a jujitsu comp. So definitely, I mean, we do, we train a lot, uh, really a lot. And we've also got to make certain weight divisions like the boxes. So, you know, we're also cutting weight, making sure we make our respective weight categories. Um, so it takes a lot out of us. I mean, MMA is a, is a very challenging sport. Go back to all my years when I traveled with all the great boxers uh, of South Africa mm. in years gone by. Um, and the one thing you, you mentioned, the word weight. I mean, you're a bantamweight, aren't you? Um, mm-hmm. You you have to be unbelievably disciplined when you walk past that donut shop or that dessert that everybody's eating at the restaurant. It really disciplined, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is very challenging. The weight cutting part for me isn't my favorite part. Um, some guys are a little bit, make it a bit easier, but um, I've had a few health scares with my weight cutting and that's actually why I don't compete as often as I would like is because the weight cut really takes it out of me um, physically. You know, there's also not many weight divisions here, specifically in South Africa. Um, you know, the biggest weight division here is 61 kilos. You know, and as an athlete that puts on muscle, it's really difficult. Also being a female, you know, we've got different hormones than men. So, you know, when we just diet for a week, we don't lose five kilos like the average guy. It is a little bit more challenging. And um, yeah, so for me, it really is. I've got to prep three to four months to make the respective weight category. And like I said, it is quite challenging and it is a big mental game for me. I say this with respect. We're going to ask this question because we're a long way apart. So you can't throw a left hook at me. Um, but in years gone by, pretty girls were seen as uh, carrying the ring board around in the middle of yes. bouts. Um, clearly, that's changed. But has it changed enough? Are there enough female participants to make the game, and I call it a game, the sport, mm. um, more appealing to get younger kids involved, females? Absolutely. You know, the female part of the sport is in its infancy stage, but saying that, I mean, you've got women like Ronda Rousey that led the sport and was, you know, has done wonders for the sport. And definitely she was one of my inspirations, you know, doing the sport. I remember reading her book and she was just incredible, but also seeing, you know, she had a judo background, you know, so that put her years ahead of the participants back then. Now to see where the women are currently, you've got like Amanda Nunes, um, you've got big names right now. I mean, Joanna, I'm not even going to try to pretend to pronounce her surname. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, you know, these are incredible, incredible women that have paved the way. And you can just see from when Ronda, you know, started MMA to where the sport is sitting now, the progression, um, you know, of, of women and how they've developed and how we are seen as, you know, athletes becoming, you know, more interesting to watch. Talk about Ronda Rousey, and obviously mm-hmm. her fame is more in the wrestling ring, uh, if I'm right in now, saying that. Yeah. Now, does it detract from what she did and from what you do? Because with the greatest respect, it really is just entertainment wrestling. I mean, it's not real, really. I mean, I know yeah. I want the kids to not have their bubble burst and Father Christmas is real, but yes. wrestling is all, you know what I mean? Yeah, it detract I mean, from it, you think? Absolutely. I don't think it detracts from it. It depends which way you perceive it. But, you know, like I said, Ronda Rousey spent many years, um, you know, paving the way. And she was the first that started, you know, getting women in, involved. And there are other women that were obviously next to Ronda. I'm sorry if I've offended anyone. But yes, I'm just saying she is the name when women, you know, look back and want to know where it kind of started and who was paving the way. 
but you know, Louis, it, it's a difficult sport, you know, as a boxer, as an MMA athlete, like I said, regardless of whether you view it as a sport or not, it's still brutal. And, um, you know, when she was knocked out like that by Holly Holm and then to come back and get beaten by Amanda Nunes like that, it takes its toll. And you've got to then look at it. Like I said, we sacrifice so much to be in there. I don't think it, take, it takes anything away that she's moved on to wrestling now. You know, it pays the balls in a lot way. I mean, she's, um, she's doing really well. Um, but, you know, she, she did a lot in the sport, but now she's got a family. So why does she need to put herself in, in that space anymore? Yeah. You know, so- why... It doesn't take anything away from what she did. I'm going to name drop now because I can. Mm. It's my show. I was fortunate in my life to spend two weeks with the great Muhammad Ali. And he was my hero before I met him. And obviously he was still my hero after I met him. But the sad part when I did meet him uh, in uh, the early 1990s was the toll that boxing had taken on him. His movements were still as sharp as ever, but his brain and his body couldn't quite coordinate together. Aren't you worried in a brutal sport like the one that you're in, the long-term effects that there might be? I know you fit and you're doing it voluntarily, but does that sit in the back of your mind? Absolutely, Louis. It it is. And, you know, uh, um, as an athlete, and I'm just mentioning it, you know, women, I would see that are in their prime between the ages of 30, 34, actually, I think there's a level of maturity, you kind of hit your peak. Um, I'm not saying that you can't go any further like uh, Holly Holm. But you know, what people don't understand that that brain damage is actually from weight cutting. You know, people don't understand that the weight cutting is actually the most dangerous part. I mean, if you look at um, MMA, you'll see these knockouts, and it looks like the punch wasn't even that hard. But if they haven't got you know their hydration done correctly you've got to remember that we're shrinking the brain when we're so severely dehydrated and i do understand that there's promotions like ufc one championship um, that make sure you've got to be a certain weight out uh, the respective weeks leading up to your fight otherwise they'll pull you from your fight because they're trying to make this as healthy and as safe as possible the knockouts yes of course they do damage to the brain and there's concussions and it is my concerns that's why i don't really like to get hit in the face if you've watched any of my fights try and finish it as soon as I can. But yes, it is a concern and anything can happen. When you step into that ring, it feels like you're fighting for your life. You know, like I said, it's not a golf swing. And if you miss the ball, you know, so be it. If you make a yeah. mistake, it, it's detrimental. I mean, I've watched, you know, athletes that the bones that they break, and like I said, for what? So Ronda Rousey made it, she had two massive knockouts and she made a career move. And like I said, does it define her or make her any less of an athlete? Absolutely not. You know, she did an incredible thing and now she's just gone somewhere where it's a bit safer and she's still making a lot of money and she's still famous. And, you know, she's just transitioned. And, and like I said, again, why not? It doesn't Absolutely. make her less of an athlete. She spent a couple of years. And like I said, don't, don't think it was just MMA. She was competing at the Olympics in judo way before MMA was even a thing. So she spent yes. most of her life competing. So like I said, so going to wrestling, it's less uh, dangerous. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're getting paid that amount of money, you know, who's to judge? But you are very, very strictly controlled medically before you get in the ring, aren't you? I mean, the, the rules and regulations and the, the pre-fight medicals and all the rest of it are absolutely of the highest order. Yeah, well, I like to think so. I mean, um, I had my incident in 2016 when I was supposed to be fighting for the inaugural flyweight title. Um, and that was a division lower than where I compete now. And my weight cut went um, horribly wrong. 
and um, I nearly died. Um, it was a near-death experience for me. And uh, if it wasn't for the medical staff there, if I'd stepped in the cage, the possibility of something going wrong would have been severe. You know, it would have been wow. tragic. And I, I was very grateful as much as I was highly disappointed. And I took a lot of cyberbullying because I had missed weight by 700 grams. I'm grateful that I had the medical staff to step in and they basically saved my life that day. So yes, we do have medical staff at the highest order. But again, you know, Louis, no one can predict what's going to happen in the cage. And that's why I say I've never mm. stepped in there with the intention to end someone's career. You know, I respect the athlete. Like I said, I do it from a competitive point of view. And, uh, you know, I, I pray every time before I compete that we both get out there um, as safely as possible. You certainly don't sound like your head's been bashed around. You, you're mm-hmm. speaking absolutely beautifully. And, and a lot of what you're saying makes total sense. So I hate using the words crossroots and development, but how and what is happening in your sport to promote young kids to get involved? Well, the grassroots are definitely, there's been more um, promotions or people that are using the initiative that are running. I've, I've noticed that gyms are holding or hosting more MMA fights for younger people, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think the jiu-jitsu part of the sport, because like I said, you don't get hit uh, necessarily in jiu-jitsu. And the self-defense element of jiu-jitsu is it's really, really remarkable on how it um, adds up your chances of survival or anti-bullying, you know, being able to defend yourself. So I find that there are schools or gyms that are targeting, you know, the younger generation to be able to start jiu-jitsu, which will then basically feed them into the sport of MMA should they wish to, you know, mm. compete. But it's where they're becoming exposed to athletes. You know, when you go to a jiu-jitsu gym, um, often there are MMA athletes there that are hitting pads or, you know, maybe wrestling. And obviously that sparks the, the question, you know, when they come in, who is that? Who is competing? Why do they do that? And then they are educated, you know, on what we do as athletes. So I definitely yeah. think there's an amazing initiative to start. And like I said, I think jiu-jitsu is the, the catch, you know, to get people into our sport. I don't want to move <laughs> away from the sports and I don't want to create this as a political situation. But we do suffer in this country from gender-based violence. It's terrible. And I guess the more girls that can get involved in not just MMA, and I don't mean that every girl must get into the square circle and want to beat the you-know-what out of their next opponent, but Mm. to actually have the skill to protect themselves against gender-based violence in our country must be of the utmost importance, and it must be top of your list. Absolutely. You know, and that's why, you know, I'm coming back to the jiu-jitsu element because, yes, it's not about um, promoting, you know, MMA and beating everyone up. But definitely jiu-jitsu is the most realistic sport that assists younger, so your younger kids, as well as women. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Louis, if a 105 kilo guy comes to me, doesn't matter how you know, greater I am at MMA, if I try to take a swing at him, the chances of me knocking his lights out aren't probable, you know, just because of my size and height. But then again, you know, given that he's not a black belt in jiu-jitsu and I have an incident where I need to defend myself, the chances of me being able to choke him out or to manipulate or to break an arm or whatever is a lot higher, you know. So I do highly, highly recommend jiu-jitsu for anyone out there, especially females and the younger generation. Like I said, whether it's learning, you know, anti-bullying or um, just self-defense, you know, definitely find a jiu-jitsu school in your area and start. And I actually have noticed that females are getting into it, 
you know, there's a lot of white belts on the mat. There's a lot of people that, you know, women that are enjoying the sport, not only from a defensive point of view, but from a physical point of view, you know, you burn good calories, you get nice and fit, you get strong, you know, it's a whole body workout. It, it strengthens your mind. So yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful sport to, to get into. And I'll be honest with you, when Nick organized the interview, I was wondering to myself, exactly what am I going to talk to you about for half an hour? It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, really, you just promote the sport so beautifully. It's fantastic. And that's why I'm not going to let you go right now. What other sports do you like? <laughs> what other sports? Do uh, yeah, well, like I mentioned, soccer is definitely one of my favorite sports. Well, I just like being active. Let's talk soccer then, because it's also part of the Friday evening show is the weekend preview. There's obviously no Premier League this weekend. Who do you support in the Premier League? Well, you know, I'm going to don't get upset with my answer, but as much as I love soccer, I don't really watch it as much as I would like to because I'm most of the time training in the gym. <laughs> so I don't yeah. get the opportunity to just sit back and to um, enjoy a, you know, casually watch a Friday night football or, you know, the rugby when it's on or whatever it may be. But even from that, you know, I will tell you that I'm Italian. So whenever um, AC Milan or my grandfather's got uh, the soccer on, which is normally when AC Milan's playing, then um, I will join him when I can. But um, in terms of local soccer and trying to watch, I don't watch it as often as I would like. Well, I'm sure your dad will be watching this evening when Italy take on England in one of the European Nations Cup Absolutely. matches. That's one of the big ones. Obviously, I guess you're supporting the Springboks this weekend. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we can always hear... Our country that's the one thing that uh, we, we are really passionate about is when our spring box are playing um, and I'm sure I'll hear the neighbors and have the tv on at the same time and definitely be supporting our spring box and when next can we see you participate so I'm hoping uh, next year reason being I've just had knee surgery um, I had torn my meniscus and MCL I think it's just been over the years so I'm just in the process of rehabbing and strengthening my knee so yeah aiming for next year sometime um once i get the clear and go ahead from the doctors yeah that would be great to be back in well we absolutely look forward to chatting to you before that event and we thank you for joining us today shano it's been an absolute pleasure and all the best thank you so much for having me louis it was really great 100 percent. and before we leave you let me just give you a couple of other major sporting events of the weekend obviously you know the rugby the springboks against argentina they will know what they need to do both sides after the earlier clash between the wallabies and uh, the all blacks that match takes place at five past nine tomorrow morning and then the springboks just after five o'clock the south african cricket team have flown away albeit with a couple of players who didn't get uh, chosen for the auction which does kind of like smack in the face of Cricket South Africa Selection Committee. Uh, they're on their way off to India. Pakistan are currently hosting England. So there's loads of cricketing action there as well. And of course, the GOATS, the greatest of all time, will play his last match this evening at the Rod Laver Arena, or the Rod Laver Tennis Tournament, rather, not the Rod Laver Arena, the events taking place in Europe. And uh, it's Roger Federer. He will be playing, and I guess it's as fitting as it gets to be playing the last match of his career with his old nemesis. And I can say old because both of them in the terms of tennis world are old. Rafael Nadal. So Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer 
will be playing in Rogers' last match this evening. It might even be Ruffer's last match. You never know. They're also, of course, uh, in that same team with Andy Murray and Novak Djokovic. Those four have pretty much dominated tennis over the last 20. That has, and this has, been another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. I hope you have enjoyed it. We will talk to you again on Monday when we look back at another great sporting weekend. Until then, be safe.